What's going on, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Anything and Everything podcast. I'm your host, Ty Reeves, and today I'll be collabing with my friend Alexis to have a conversation and to bring awareness to the social injustice that's going on in the United States right now and how the sports world has done their part to push for change. So, Alexis, thank you for coming on the show and willing to talk about this. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation and to talk a little bit with you. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into it, kind of introduce yourself to everybody listening, uh, where you graduate from, what you're doing right now, talk a little bit about your blog, basically anything you want to let people know about you. Yeah. So like Ty said, I'm Alexis. Um, I um, graduated from the University of Connecticut um, in December 2019. Um, So I'm a fellow Husky with Ty. Um, We met through the Sport Business Association. So that's how we're friends. Um, And then so I got my degree in sport management um, from the NEAG School of Education, um, and I loved every minute of it. Um, I worked mainly in hockey. That's kind of where my background lies and my passion um, and my career aspirations, if you will. Um, I worked with the men's ice hockey team while I was there, and then I also worked for the Nashville Predators over the summers for three years. Um, so I'm more so on the hockey side of things, but I definitely, being in the sport management program, have a lot of background and knowledge and friends that work in different aspects of the industry. So um, big on sports, but hockey is definitely where it is for me. And then my blog um, actually came about um, at, in, back in January. Um, it's called Locker Room Logic with Lex. Um, it's kind of what people call me. So I went with it. Um, but um, as a woman in the industry, um, it's, I found that sometimes people are weird about women being in the locker room. Um, and so I wanted to shed some light on a woman's perspective in the industry. Um, so I started my blog back in January, um, and I've written about a lot of different things. Um, I've written mainly about hockey. Um, again, that's where my knowledge lies, but, um, the blog for me is a space, um, that I was able to kind of continue my career and my passion um, throughout the pandemic that we've kind of been living in. Um, I, when I graduated, I didn't expect obviously to be living in a pandemic and not be working in the industry right off. So it was a space for me to continue um, to work on my passions and to kind of get my name out there. But it's also a space where I can shed light on um, different injustices or talk about different people that I feel need light on them in the industry. Um, So I've done a lot of different um, series within that blog um, and talking a little bit about like where my knowledge is. So that's that's my blog and that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's dope. That's always been something I've been interested in was um, blogging, but I kind of went the route of podcasting just because it's a little bit easier yeah. as far as editing and, you know, my grammar sometimes isn't always the best. So, um, but to kind of <laughs> get into it, you brought it up um, before we really just dive into the sports end of it. You obviously have been watching news and you've been, on, been big on social media about what's going on and everybody's kind of seen it. So what, what are your kind of feelings in, about everything that's really going on right now in the United States? Yeah, um, I think I think in general this year, regardless of who you are on this planet, has been. I hate to use the word crazy, but I think that's a good word to kind of describe it. Unexpected um very out of the ordinary i don't think anybody could have planned for anything that happened whether it be the pandemic whether it be 
the racial injustices and the protests that we've been seeing. I think this year has been a lot on a lot of people. And I think there's so much change coming from it, which I think is the beautiful aspect of what this year has brought is there's so much going on and we're holding so much within us. But I think that there's so much change happening and it might not be happening quickly. It might not be happening the way we want it to, but I think that people are becoming more aware, um, which I love. Um, And as a white woman, I think for me, especially um, it has been hard in the past, I think to get uncomfortable with these conversations, but this year kind of leaning in and saying, okay, I need to be an ally and I need to be a better ally, especially when it comes to the social injustice or the racial injustices, excuse me, that my, the people that I love in my life that are black are, have, are experiencing every day. Um, And I think that's where we need to start is being uncomfortable. And that's been kind of a theme throughout my college career and throughout my life post-college is we got to be, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable Um, because I think we're not going to grow unless we lean into hard conversations and we lean into what's going on and let's get uncomfortable again, let's get uncomfortable with it. Because I think that so many times we shy away from things that maybe don't have to deal with us or maybe get, make us uncomfortable. I hate to keep using that word, but I think that's what this year has been about is people have realized like I'm not going to grow as a human being unless I get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that whether it be the pandemic, whether it be sports and the protests that have been happening there, whether it be protests in general, anything this year has been so much for so many people, but I think there's so much love and acceptance still growing out of it. And I think that's the beautiful thing that we as a human race should just realize out of this year and should accept coming into the next year, hopefully, um, and continue to grow and change and have these hard conversations. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with you. I mean, this year overall has been, you know, very much crazy, you know, going from basically Christmas time, early January, we're living a normal life and then stuff uh, starts coming Mm -hmm. out about the virus. And then, you know, by March, we're getting sent home from campus. And then, you know, next thing we're locked inside our houses for, you know, a month, just about trying to stay inside, not going out unless it's essential needs. But I like the word that you used, um, which is uncomfortable because for me, ever since the whole George Floyd incident, that was kind of very like eye-opening for a lot of people. And not like me as a person of color, like I've experienced things that I know other people haven't experienced, whether it's, you know, the racial name callings or just being tar- targeted by my skin color. And it it's very like, like you said, it's uncomfortable and you kind of just put it to the side. But after the whole George Floyd, uh, Floyd thing, kind of just was like to hell with that, like my voice needs to be heard because this at this point is getting ridiculous. And for me, one thing I like, I take pride upon is having a tough conversation, but also trying to understand other people's opinions. Cause I feel like a lot of people in today's age kind of just jump to a conclusion, almost like, Oh, you like this person? Why well, I can't talk to you. And I think that's something that, you know, America still really needs to work on because a lot of people are still very closed minded, no matter how many people we do know that are very open-minded and show love and, don't really care and don't see color. There's still a lot of people that are closet racist and are very closed-minded and are only open to one way of life, whether you know they see it through a religious view or just personal views. But definitely, I feel like uncomfortable is the, the perfect word to describe the United States. I'm uncomfortable 
I'm sure you have to some sort being uncomfortable. And it's just, you know, I just don't really understand some of the like some people's mindsets, especially about what's going on with the racial injustice, because it's it's almost like there's no people just don't see like the wrong in it anymore. You know what I mean? It's a lot of Mm -hmm. like politics behind it. And like, for me, I just don't get it because, you know, if somebody if this happens to a regular person with another regular person, it's it's murder. It's you know, you're going to jail. There's no there's no plea deal. There's none of that. You're going to jail. But just because somebody has a blue shirt on and a badge, it makes the situation so much more complicated. And I just don't understand how people think a job should protect you from doing something that's wrong. I feel like at the end of the day, everybody's a human being. And at the end of the day, before you're a police officer, you are a human and you should have the human decency Mm -hmm. to know what you're doing is wrong. And I just think it's crazy that still people have, I'm going to use this word, have the balls to stand up for these guys. And it's just, it's very crazy to me how, what's going on in the world today. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that so I live in the South um, and then I lived in Connecticut during school. So I think there's, there was a lot of different viewpoints constantly surrounding me um, coming from a red state um, and then going to a blue state. I talked about it a lot during college of um, I probably lean a little bit more liberal, although I, I identify more independent. I can, I, and like you said, I think a lot of people need to start understanding viewpoints and need to start. I think we need to start listening more um, and holding other people's opinions instead of just jumping on top, you know what I mean? Like jumping on top of someone else's opinion and just immediately judging them for it. I think that the world is a beautiful place when we can understand that I'm not going to agree with every single person on this planet, but at the end of the day, like, I think that we all deserve equity in who we are, regardless of what we look like or where we're from. I think that equity to me, um, and I think this is a big issue for me when I walk into the sports industry in a sense, is walking in as a woman, um, and that's something that really is powerful to me, is I want equity so that the next little girl can come in and can feel like she has a space where she can either be an athlete or she can run the front office. Um, Because I think that everybody deserves a chance to be and live up to their full potential. regardless of where and it just needs to be out of love um and I just think this injustice is like it does it blows my mind when people are just don't get it um like everybody I think I is created equal and the fact it I was thinking about it today I was like we have to keep having this conversation about like that my black and brown friends have to fight for every day for this like it's exhausting to them and it's up to me as an ally to continue this conversation on their behalf and with them. Um, because I think that so many of my friends that I've talked to this week with the recent shootings and the recent protests about sports that we'll get into in a bit, like they're carrying so much and it's up to us to continue that fight with them and for them. Um, because if they're tired, (laughs) tired of carrying this burden. And I think that, um, we got to step up as well, especially in this time. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I can't tell you how I want to exhausting, tired, frustrating is a really big word I would use. Mm -hmm. It is 
constantly having this conversation. And for me, it's like, you know, me being a, I'm a biracial person, basically I've lived with, you know, the white half of my family my entire life is mm-hmm. my mom, my mom, I love her to death. She gets it. My stepdad gets it. Yeah. And then there's other family members that I know they get it, but they let their political beliefs get in the way of it. And I'm kind of just like, this isn't mm-hmm. about politics. And, you know, it's frustrating because like, I, I'm knocking on the door, you know, I'm like, yo, this is what's going on. They, It's always like, you get through one door just to meet another door instead of just, you mm-hmm. know, getting in and then being able to accept and see through your eyes what's really going on. And, you know, a big another big one for me is, even though it's terrible to say, is I post a lot on Facebook and I kind of just let people know, like, hey, this is what's going on. If you don't like it, you can block me. You know, if you want to talk about it, I always yeah. encourage you to come and talk to me about it because that's what I'd rather do than people come and actually block me. But in West Haven, where I grew up, you know, I always thought it was a very diverse town. Like I went to high school, it was very diverse, you know, people of all ethnicities, mm-hmm. all backgrounds, all religions. And then we have this Facebook page called West Haven the way it is. And it's just kind of, you see really what your town is like. Like the place I've grown up my entire life isn't as diverse and understanding as I thought. And kind of the stuff that yeah. these people say, it's just like, you know, what what is wrong with you? Like, I'll be completely honest. It's a lot of political stuff. And one time at our beach, they put up a, a Trump sign. Now, again, that's their, you know, beliefs and whatever, but you're putting it on like public property. Like if you want to put a sign on your lawn, go ahead. But you know, I'll be mm-hmm. honest, me and my friends went and took it down. And they they were up in an uproar on Facebook about it. Oh, this is these punks, these these kids taking it down. There was like eight of them. And it's just like, but at the end of the day, am I the punk for taking it down and doing the right thing because it doesn't belong there? Or are you the punk for trying to, you know, incite you know, tension and cause division because you want to be an a-hole and then post a sign on a tree where it doesn't belong. So exactly, it's just very, like you said, it's very exhausting and frustrating and tired having these conversations over and over again. But let's, let's move on. And again, you, you brought it up <laughs> earlier, the shootings, you know, Jacob Blake, and then what happened in Kenosha, it's just, it's at this point, it's ridiculous. So what what are your takes on, you know, those two specific events? Yeah. Um, I think, again, to bring up that word exhausting is like, when you wake up um, in the morning and you start seeing some of this news, um, it's like, seriously? Like, this is still happening. And it's one of those things where it's like, I thought we... <laughs> like when you're scolding a child and they come back and they do the same thing again and you're like I thought we talked about this like didn't you see that this was wrong like 20 minutes ago and now you're doing the same thing again like I think that when you wake up and you start seeing some of this news it could be it it could be super easy for you and for me as a white person to say I don't have to deal with this today I can just turn off social media but I choose not to. And I choose to say, look, this, this, is, this can't keep happening. And I think that's why the protests in sports were so necessary um, to kind of shift our conversation in that perspective as well. And to kind of bring that into it. Um, I think that we, I think if you look at athletes um, and 
if the world were super normal right now and we weren't living in a pandemic and we didn't have to social distance and sports weren't being played in a bubble, I guarantee that there would have been so many protests in the home cities and those athletes would have been surrounding their communities and leading them um, against this another shooting. Um, I think that I was reading yesterday um, some quotes from some athletes, um, especially in the NHL, that were saying like, "We're we're stuck here. Like we can't do much." And this is and these two days or th- however long that the sport decided to take off, like this is what we can do in the bubble, and this is what we can control. Um, and I think a lot of people were frustrated with that, but they were also then. I mean, there's a lot of controversy around regardless of what anybody ever does, I think there's controversy, but, um, and it becomes political, like you said. And I think at the end of the day, like, we just need to realize like, this is a, this is a human problem, regardless. Like we, it just, it can't keep happening. And I, it, it makes me so upset that it does. Um, and it breaks my heart that we have to keep having this conversation. Cause like, I just, it feels like, they got scolded once and like, you should learn from that, you know, like it's frustrating. And I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of emotions surrounding this one, especially um, because it felt like, and maybe, I don't know if it felt like to you, but it felt like people were listening and there was traction building. And um, with the protests that were happening towards the beginning of the summer, I felt like people were changing opinions and, it was, it just, there was change slowly, like ever so slowly starting to happen. But then this happened again. And you just feel like you're right back in that point where you're like, gosh, we have to start all over again. Um, So I think there's a lot of emotion surrounding this one. And I think it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to carry. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, you could see, I know in my time, we had a a huge protest and it was so amazing to see, you know, and this is peak Corona, you know, seeing mm-hmm. people outside, like for what they care. And like, it's, it's heartwarming to see all these people that actually do care, but at the same time, it still sucks that, you know, there's people out there that really don't care about what you think or, you know, just call you a bunch of cry babies or a bunch of, you know, millennials or whatever they want to say. But, you know, this Jacob Blake one, I don't think people are giving, athletes the credits they deserve um i mean the WNBA. i forgot which team it was but a team pulled up and they had jacob blake's name written on white t-shirts with seven holes in their back or um jamal murray in the nba with brianna taylor uh, brianna taylor and george floyd on his shoes or just stuff that like that that's going on and like you said these people can't get out and go march in the street but they're still doing their part by you know boycotting games and you know, speaking up against the injustice and using their time on air to speak about the injustice. And the fact that these there's people out there that still go, oh, you're an athlete. You're not oppressed. You got millions of dollars. Like, stop playing the victim card. But I just want to be to them like they were at one point, you know, these people on the streets, they were, you know, just somebody that was identified by the color of the skins that come from a poor neighborhood or don't come from the best of backgrounds or have family problems or grew up in a rough town or like side of neighborhood. And the fact that you can, you know, question why they're doing this and critique them is just kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, in my point of view, and even with college, even colleges, like 
I saw it on Twitter, and this I went through comments, and I was just shaking my head. Like Notre mm-hmm. Dame football came out with a graphic with one of their players. He had a Black Lives Matter shirt on with his fist in the air, and the amount of hate underneath that post of people saying, "I can't believe Notre Dame supports some Marxist group," or "I can't believe Notre Dame is against white people," or is only for black people and I will never watch a Notre Dame game again in my life. And a part of me wants to be like, well, good. You don't deserve to watch them play if that's your attitude. But at the same time, I want to be like the fact that you can even bring yourself to say that on social media is kind of just, it's just appalling to me, honestly. And it's just the fact that there's somebody can always find an excuse when something like like this happens, like, for example, the Jacob Blake, well, he had a warrant out for his arrest. Okay, last time I checked, he had a warrant out for his arrest, not for his death. So I don't understand how you can even, you know, try to compare mm-hmm. those two or put them together. And, like, they don't see the problem with seven bullets in somebody's back. But as soon as a protester with a, a legal assault rifle that he was underage to carry kills two people and shoots four it's he's an american patriot and i'm just like that's nationalism or he's a nationalist he's not a patriot like marching in the street for something you believe in is showing patriotism shooting people because you think you can with what's going on in times now is not showing patriotism yeah absolutely i think I think this one especially, it, I, I just, again, I think, I feel like I just have no words. It blows my mind that we are still having this conversation, but it's necessary and we have to keep fighting for it because I think that regardless of how much we feel like we're being set back there, we are still taking so, slow, it's tiny, it's incremental there's there's change happening and i think that people are seeing that and i think especially with the upcoming election and i think athletes today are using their platform now more than ever um which is something that um when i was in school we talked a lot about and we had a lot of debates about whether when you're an athlete should you use that platform or should you not and i'm of the belief that if you are given a platform um or if you're given a voice at all that you should use it um, cause my, my biggest thing in my life and one of my biggest, um, quotes that I live by, um, is Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. And it sounds so cliche, but I think I was put here for the next generations. Like we, I think our generation especially is so concerned about our future. Um, and I think we want to fight for not only ourselves and our own future, but I think every day about like, what about when I have children and they grow up, how are they gonna love the world and how are they gonna put themselves out there and be kind to people and stand up for what they believe in and I think, and use their voices. Um, And I don't, I want them to live in a world, I want everybody to live in a world where they feel safe and they feel loved and they feel like they can produce at their highest level. Um, but we're not there yet. And I think it's up to a lot of us to continue this conversation and to continue to fight for what we believe in um, because we're not done um, and we got to keep moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, some That's something that's always actually on my mind. Uh, you know, the future, like you said, like 
looking, you know, towards the future and what you want to see in your future and your family's future. And that's one thing I always think about, especially when I see everything that's going on. Like, I don't want to be that parent to, you know, when tell my kids, hey, when you get pulled over, put your hands on the dashboard. Like, I don't want to be that parent. I don't want to have, I don't want my kids to grow up in that world, in that country, you know. So for me, the most important thing about what we're doing right now is doing it with a purpose. And I feel like that's with everything that comes with it. People forget about that purpose and think it's something else. It's one thing, like I said, a lot of people associate BLM with, you know, Marxism and all that stuff. And I'm kind of like, excuse me, I get that. Like, you know, the the so-called leader, even though they don't really claim it, said that. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that the purpose of this is to for equality. We're not we're not looking to take over the world. You know, we're not looking to take over the country and to force you know white people to be below us or something like that. We we just really want to be equal and be treated equal. And I, you know, I see it all the time. Well, if you guys want to be treated equal, don't like resist the rest. And I'm like, well, you know, I could pull up clip after clip after clip of, you know, somebody that doesn't look like me resisting arrest and doing something wrong or shoot, I saw one video of a guy running at a cop with a a knife. And I'm just like, you tell us not to resist and we won't get killed, but you look at a video like this and you have a good laugh at it because he's giving the cop a hard time. So I'm I'm like, you know, Mm -hmm. just for me, I say it all the way, like life's a two way street. And I feel like, you know, you do as you know, whatever it is, do as to others as you will do to you. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, I, again, I keep repeating myself that there's people that still find ways to justify what's going on. I think it's just, to me, it's just ridiculous. I can't like the, the amount of not even arguments, but just conversations. Like, again, I said, I always try to see where people are coming from, but like the amount of times I have to bite my, my tongue about saying something so not rude, but like, just you're wrong like the fact that you even see it this way is wrong like it's just insane and I I really hope in the future especially when I'm older and have kids and have a family that my kids don't have to have this conversation with other people yeah without a doubt and I think I kind of brought it up earlier but um this whole year I think I've had I mean throughout college I had conversations and we would have conversations um with some of our friends, with Nate and Seb and in my classes and um, surrounding race. And we'd talk about that within sport as well. But I think for me, this year has been one of um, listening um, because I've said it a lot. And I, um, I say it generally when I post on social media, I try and be a very open-minded um, with um, when I do talk about race. And I, but at the end of the day, I'm living as a white woman and I'm going to get it wrong a lot. And I think that's, but I think that I have surrounded myself with people that are going to hold me accountable and say, I didn't love how you said this. I didn't love these things. And I think that's an important part of the conversation that we have to continue having is um, being open to saying I was wrong in this and I didn't know that I was wrong, but I'm learning from it and I'm going to grow from it. And I apologize and I'm sorry. And we're going to, I'm going to be better next time. Um, and learning from those mistakes and actually being better and showing up better next time, um, I think has been a huge shift in the mindset for me surrounding a lot of these issues. Um, 
And I think when looking at um, a league like the NHL um, and kind of thinking through like my time with the teams that I've been with there and working in hockey in general, um, my perspective was always it's a predominantly white sport. And it is um, right now. Um, And I think for me, um, working through, I was on a seminar um, and I got to listen to Kim Davis, um, who's the VP um, of um, Social Impact Growth Initiatives and Legislative Affairs for the NHL. Um, And if you ever get to listen to her, she is phenomenal. Um, She's been with the league um, a little, I think a little over a year now, maybe two. Um, She is an incredible woman. Um, and a lot of her efforts have been surrounding growing the pipeline within hockey. Um, so growing, well, where's the sport originating? Like, let's get so many different kinds of people ingrained in this sport. Let's get them playing. Let's get them equipment. Um, let's get them access to rinks. Um, and let's have the NHL partner, um, with them. And I think listening to that and listening to her and her initiatives, but also learning through the Hockey Diversity Alliance and their different initiatives. Um, they called for the NHL to not play games the other day. Um, and they were just formed over, excuse me, over the summer um, with some incredible um, ex-players um, and current players that are leading the, the leading the change within the NHL um, and it's incredibly inspiring to watch them um, and to listen to them um, use their platform, um, whether they're still playing or whether they're not. Um, And a lot of change has started within that game. And I think sports in general um, with all of these stoppages in play and the boycotts and whatnot for the past, I mean, it doesn't happen very often um, that sports halts. Um, which I think has been so unique to watch um, that the athletes said enough is enough. We got to stand for what we believe in. And I think that's been a really cool thing to watch this week is um, regardless of how they did it or when they did it. And at the end of the day, they did it. Um, And I know that a lot of controversy has surrounded um, a lot of different pieces of those aspects, but um, it's, it's been really cool to watch how, athletes from different sports have banded together and how the NBA and the WNBA, especially the WNBA have led this charge and said, enough is enough. We're going to take a stand for what we believe in. Um, I think that is really crucial for the next steps going forward. Yeah, a hundred percent. Definitely. Like you said, the WNBA has been very much with the NBA, like a leader. And I feel like, like I said, athletes don't get the credit they deserve, but the WNBA really doesn't get the credit because they've really been, you know, on the front lines. And I feel like a lot of people on social media give them a tough time about, oh, nobody watches you. Why are you doing this? And nobody cares. Like, but at the end of the day, you still see it on social media. So obviously somebody's watching and you're seeing it. So that means you saw it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I read a quote. I don't remember which player was in the NHL um, or what team he played on. But he said something, because I know the NHL didn't, um boycott any games like when the MLB and the NBA did on the same day right in the WNBA mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so I I read something he was like oh I think it's like ridiculous that we played today and while everybody else did it and you know he was just kind of fed up with it but when you first saw that the NHL didn't boycott the games what was what was your reaction kind of seeing all the other leagues stop play and then the NHL continue to yeah. go yeah 
I think initially, so I've done uh, a lot of thinking about this. I think initially, um, I came at it from two sides. Um, I can see a lot of different sides. Um, my Twitter um, was filled with people that were so frustrated that the NHL decided to not call their games that first night. Um, and then I started thinking, and it, this does not excuse it, but then I started thinking about knowing who the leaders are within the league and knowing how they operate. Um, and it is more of a business model right now. Um, and they think through that a little bit more. Diving in more, though, um, and doing research, um, come to realize, and it's this one of the MLS games did play that day. Um, the Nashville SC, I don't remember who they played. They played the same day as well, and that was the only MLS game that played. Um, but they also talked about how when you're a player, you have certain rules, and this is not excusing that they didn't cancel regardless. Um, I think that they should have had people on the outside um, listening and talking and informing their players, um, but they do have rules surrounding players having their phones um, pregame. Um, and so there's a certain time limit for when they need to shut off and just be in the locker room and be prepping for the game. So some, when news starts breaking like that, generally players aren't aware um, because they don't have access to TVs. They don't have access to their phones. Um, I think that as a communications team um, within team with teams, um, I think we need to do a better job of informing our players about what's going on if there's something like that. Um, so I think my first initial reaction was like, and I think when it happened, I was at work and I work at a sports bar right now. So I'm, there's like a hundred plus TVs in the bar. And so I'm watching sports constantly. And I think that, um, so I was, but I was working. So I was catching glimpses of like this team canceled, this team canceled, the NBA decided to call off all games. And when news started breaking, um, it was it was very interesting, but I didn't have full time to process what was going on. Um, and then later that night when I realized that the NHL had still played, um, it, it broke my heart a little bit because I know that there are players within those teams that are still playing. There's players on Dallas um, and there's players on Vegas. There's a lot of different players that did start taking a knee um, with some of their um, fellow players who are black Um when they came back to play, um, there are players that are very passionate about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I think within the NHL now more than ever, players are taking a stand against these issues. Um, I think in the past, um, it again has been a model if you kind of watch, there are certain players that are very outspoken and they will be outspoken until they retire plus time after that. I mean, they're going to be outspoken their, their whole lives, but there's players that were afraid um, of maybe getting traded, of losing their contract, of not making enough money um, because if they were to, out, to speak out about an issue. But I think this summer you've seen players like Tyler Sagan um, and others take a stand and say, you know what, I'm a leader on this team and I'm a leader in this community. And um, he especially was out at protests um, they're using their voices, they're using social media. And now more than ever, um, I was reading an interview with Kim Davis the other day, you're seeing that she's talking about players are reaching out to her more now. How do we do this? How do I do this the right way? How do I use my voice and my platform? Um, and how do I support the game growing and the pipeline growing so that we can continue 
to grow who's on the ice um, and behind the bench and um, in our front offices. How do we continue to grow the game and change the narrative? Um, and I think that's definitely within the NHL has been a powerful thing for me to watch over the summer um, and has solidified um, that I do want to continue to go into that league and hopefully um, continue to have those conversations with teams. Um, there's a lot of great teams that are making statements right now saying we're not doing enough. We got to do more. We got to support our players. There's players that are calling out different injustices. And I think that is so important to continue to shine a light on. So I think originally when they didn't cancel, um, it was disheartening, but I think it has encouraged a larger conversation. Um, and I think that they're a league, especially that has, is continuing to grow and change and learn. Um, especially as other leagues continue to take the stand and take it first. Um, and they're, while they might be the last ones to show up, um, they're continuing to show up, which I think is great. Um, I don't always agree with how, but I think we're starting somewhere. And I think that is the biggest thing to notice at this moment in time. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it's about starting somewhere. So whether if you're you know, one step in front of the competition or two steps behind it. As long as you start somewhere, that's a good, you know, a good start. For me, like when I saw it, I think I was so focused on the NBA and the WNBA that I really didn't pay too much attention to mm -hmm. it. And then after reading what he said and kind of looking at it, I mean, yeah, it bothered me because I'm like, do you care? Like I've seen players step up and speak about it. I'm like, but at the end of the day, as an entire league, if you don't really care, then I mean, it kind of goes unnoticed. So, but the fact yeah. that they, you know, eventually do take, did what they had to do and, you know, boycotted a game, I think that's very important. But sticking with um, just kind of sports in general, what what is your opinion on kneeling? Because I actually watched the episode of Hard Knocks and the Los Angeles Chargers had a big, you know, WebEx Zoom meeting with all the players and they were talking about it. And one of the players was like, well, for me, I think there should be another way because I have family that served in the military and they find it disrespectful. So what, what, like hearing that and seeing other athletes kneel with no problem, what is your opinion on kneeling for the national anthem? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting question at this point because um, I think it was recently the anniversary of Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the first time, like the other day. Um, I think... I, I have, I have struggled with this one um, and I'm not going to get it right every time. I think that for me, um, I can see the side of, yes, I can see where it's the military. You've had people that have served. It's disrespectful on that side of things. I can see where people see that. I think kind of what we were talking about is I can see the difference of opinion um, and I'm still working on where I stand. But what I do stand on is that we as sport professionals need to continually respect and support our athletes um, when they decide to take a stand and how they decide to take a stand. Um, I think it, I don't want to say a failure, but I think when looking at Colin Kaepernick and the way that he took a stand against those things, um, against police brutality and against um, the things that he believed in, um, the NFL was quick to judge. Um, they were quick to kind of cast him aside. Um, and then now um, with Roger Goodell coming back out and saying like, we support him. And I think 
to me, that ring that rings true of what they really care about. Um, it shows that they were more concerned about supporting their fans than supporting their players. Um, and I think that you've got to find a healthy balance of that. And there's going to be, um, and I'll bring it back to Kim Davis. I think she's doing phenomenal work, but she said the other day on the seminar that I was watching, like, we've got to be okay with losing some fans because we're going to do what's right in the eyes of humanity. Um, more or less, that was kind of what she was getting at was like, we've got to be okay with saying like, we're going to go against what our fans believe. And I think um, you could bring up NASCAR um, and banning the Confederate flag and looking at their fan base and who comes to the races and things like that, um, that sports has got to be okay with saying, you know what, we've got to make decisions. And I think what's interesting is sports makes decisions all the time that's going to lose fans. I mean, you talk about trades that people make. You talk about when LeBron um, moves teams. I mean, people burn jerseys because so you're losing fans in general with decisions that you're making every day. But when it comes down to it, we've got to also be okay with losing fans because our organization is going to stand up for what our players believe in, what our community believes in. Um, and if we lose some fans along the way, then I think we have to be okay with that because we're taking a stand. We're changing how the game needs to operate, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Um, for me personally, you know, when the whole Calvin Kaepernick thing happened and kneeling and when he first sat for the national anthem, you know, it was mm -hmm. I was younger. So, you know, you still try to figure it out and you really don't know what's going on. And, then, you know, over the time, he's like. And for me, it's tough because there's a lot of me that wants to, like if I ever get the opportunity to, I want to kneel. But there's somebody that's played like a big role in my life. It has been my grandfather. My grandfather served, you know, in Vietnam and then the Korean War. And he's somebody that like, again, he gets it, but he feels like there's another way. So it's not for me about disrespecting the military, like if, if some Absolutely. guy, you know, if he was like, Oh, I feel you're distracting me. That's all good. And you know, I'm sorry, you feel that way, but I'm going to do what I got to do. But to be honest, the only person that's really, you know, stopping me from doing that is, is my grandfather. Cause I love him. So it's not even about him being in the military. It's just more about him as a person and what he's done for me as a whole. So that's the only roadblock I guess I can see in me personally for kneeling. But Switching it up a little bit just because, you know, we're running out of time. One thing yeah. I want to talk about is definitely voting. And Jacoby Brissett and the Colts got the entire roster registered to vote. So how important do you think it is for people our age, especially Gen Z, to really get out to the polls and vote in November? Oh, my gosh. Um, voting is so incredibly important. Um, I think... It is your one opportunity to get your voice heard. Like it's kind of bringing tears to my eyes. I think voting is, oh my gosh, it's so. And for me, I love the experience of going to vote. I think it was really cool watching like the NBA say, you know what, we're going to use our arenas as voting locations. Um, I think there's a lot figuring out around how people are going to vote right now and. Um, with the pandemic still going on and whatnot, but voting is so crucial. Um, 
and it is you get a sticker at the end like I think that's a cool thing but that's not the only reason to go vote I mean our generation is they like rewards so there's a reward for you but I think that the whole experience of um, going in and voting I actually got to go in and vote. Um, my sister turned 18 last October um, and I got to go with her the first time that she ever voted um, a couple weeks ago when we had the primaries here. Um, and just like getting to take her for that experience, like it's so cool to get to walk in and cast your ballot um, for who you think needs to lead our country, needs to lead your state whatever the election is, I think, be informed, do your research, um, get out to the polls, mail in your ballot. Like there are so many different ways and there are so many different resources to get your vote in. Um, and I think our generation, I hope shows up, um, because it's so vitally important, um, for our future. Again, that's what we should care about um, for our future and for continuing to lay the groundwork um, of a country that we believe in. Um, I think it's so important. So yes, get out and vote. Um, there's so many different resources. I think vote.org is a really, really great resource um, to get in your mind um, if you have questions surrounding voting this November. Yeah, I, again, 100% agree. For me, you know, November 3rd is crunch time for the entire nation and for the next mm-hmm. you know the few the next four years of our country because right now just for me the lack of leadership and the ignorance that leaves the white house is something that's very much fueling me to go vote like on an international level i don't want my country to be viewed the way it's being viewed right now and for me personally i listen to a podcast by um, one of a, a soccer player on my favorite team. His name is Hector Bellerini. He talked to DeAndre Yedlin, who plays for the uh, U.S. national team. And he was just like, the fact that I go to training every day, go to practice, and players come up to me and ask me what's going on in my country and why my country is acting this way is just embarrassing. And, you know, it makes you feel a type of way. So basically, like, I, I feel a type of way because this isn't how America is supposed to be, you know, not this much division, this much hate. And the fact for me is, you know, without trying to get too political, if you can a, turn a blind eye to the division and the ignorance that comes out of the White House, then you really need to, you know, check yourself and really educate and, you know, research and learn and not just vote a color because of where you're from or who you surround yourself with. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be completely honest, Biden wasn't my first choice for president. I'd rather have Bernie. I feel I identify more his ideals and his beliefs. But at the end of the day, my country needs change. And I'm not going to let, you know, my personal opinion of somebody stop me from being a part of that change. So like you said, I, I don't think people in Gen Z, like, yeah, it's good to speak out and post on social media and to share your beliefs. But this is your time to make an impact. And I feel like a lot of people still haven't grasped that about voting. Like, yeah, even though you're one of 300 and something million people, this is, this is the time to make change. So hopefully as many people in our generation gets out there and, you know, and goes to vote. Absolutely. Completely agree. Got to get out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, we're kind of coming up to the time limit. So Alexis, 
thank you very much for coming on to the show or collabing with me to actually bring this conversation to the people that listen to actually, you know, kind of be open about what's going on in the world. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Of course. So for everybody listening, uh, definitely go check out Alexis's podcast, Locker Room Talk with Lex. Uh, Alexis, where is it available? I know I see it all the time on your LinkedIn, but for everybody um, else. Yeah, it's um, if you go to lockerroomlogicwithlex.com, um, that's the direct link to it. All of my stuff is on there. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I think Twitter is lockerroomlogicwithlex, and so is Instagram. Yep. I'll link all of those in the description of uh, the podcast. Please go check her out. To everybody listening, this was episode 11 of the Anything and Everything podcast, and we will catch you next time.